The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You've watched, you've waited, you've listened, and we're back. Monday, December the 28th, it is the first reverse chronological lightning round Monday episode of the season. We are officially underway once we get these shows in the book, and we are putting one in the book right now. This is Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. Welcome back from your Christmas weekend. Hopefully you guys are tuning back in here. I know this is a weird time of year where every season, and I'm someone who habitually watches the podcast listenership numbers, sometimes even hourly, just to see what times of day people are listening to the show. And historically, between roughly the day before, maybe about a day and a half before Christmas until about January 2nd, people tend to tune out a little bit. And this is this is forever. This is just the way it is. I wondered if this year might be different because the season had just begun, and the answer is no. It's not really different. So hopefully, I can say welcome back to a lot of you guys right now, but honestly, I just don't know, and at the end of the day, it sort of doesn't really matter all that much. I mean, a lot of you, I'll just see you on January 3rd. <laughs> that's just how, I think that's just how it's going to be. So anyway, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Basperis. It's happy uh, happy Monday to you all. Reverse chronological lightning round Monday for those uninitiated. We spend our Monday going backwards through the weekend, starting with the games on Sunday, working backwards to the games on Saturday, and then Friday, basically covering each team's most recent basketball game so that we get a full week-ahead reset of all 30 teams in the NBA. And that's basically all we're going to be talking about today because that does tend to chew up uh, the entire show. And it covers basically all NBA news because we touch on all 30 teams. So it's a double double positive. Quick shout-out at the front end to our buddies over at mybookie.ag. I hope you guys were able to take advantage of their different promos running last week. If you didn't, I'll run my own damn promo right now for you guys. Sign up using promo code HOOPBALL and send me a note on Twitter, at Dan Besper. It has to be on social media. I'm not doing this one through email. Social media is the only way I'm going to run this particular promo. Sign up for a a new account with promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, at mybookie.ag. Don't deposit or anything. Just make sure your phone is set up. They, they ask you to verify a phone number. Once you're through phone verification, send me a note on Twitter saying, Dan, I signed up for an account at mybookie.aj. What do you got for me? And I will tell you. I have a promo, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I need you guys to do the sign-up process. Totally free to sign up. The only thing that costs money over there is once you make that first deposit. So I'm not going to ask you to do that uh, before telling you what the promo is, but I do want you guys to do the first part. Hit me up, mybookie.ag. Love them, man. I love them. I survived another week in my NFL survivor pool with a narrow Kansas City uh, last-second bullet dodge. And I've made it to the final week of the NFL regular season. I don't have a clue who I'm using next week, but we'll worry about that when we get there. That was a contest, by the way, uh, for $50,000. At the beginning, 
there were, I think there were about 25,000 people in it. And because the Browns lost, I know this is a basketball podcast, because the Browns lost yesterday, there's like about 500 people left going into the last week. So if I can survive, I'm not looking at that much money, but it could be a couple hundred bucks. That would be well worth it since it costs nothing, nothing to enter. Channeling my inner Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka there. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Thank you again for tuning in, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. So get your day started by dropping me a follow. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Ooh, a lot of stuff on Twitter these days. Betting tweet storms. Some fantasy tweet storms, although a lot of those now have moved into the HoopBall Discord for Fantasy Pass and HoopBall 360 members. So check those out. Get a, uh, get a subscription if you want to get those. Uh, betting tweet storms. I've got buy lows and sell highs. I think I'm going to start having Twitter office hours for question ans- and uh, and answer type stuff. Because right now you guys are sending me a ton of questions and it's great, but I don't see all of them. I don't get to all of them. And if I had like, I basically, I guess it's like an AMA and ask me anything kind of thing, but I'll call it office hours because in my mind, in the back of my mind, I like think myself as a professor because I'm an arrogant schmuck. But that would be a great way for me to just be like, all right, I'm glued to my screen. Questions that come in now, I'll get to them. I think you guys, I think that would be good for everybody. Anyway, let's dive on in. Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday begins the first of the year. How exciting! We'll start with Sunday. Big card on Sunday. In fact, a lot of the teams that played uh, on Saturday played again on Sunday. Dallas, this is a perfect letdown spot for the Clippers. They beat the Lakers, the Champs, the Nuggets, the team that knocked them out. They came home for an afternoon tilt against the Mavs Clippers were on the road for their Christmas stuff so they celebrated Christmas at home the next day and then came out the following morning and were just horrible nobody played throw it out Josh Richardson looked pretty good though over on that Dallas side Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. also finally had his first decent game of the year and that's really all you can take away from that I will say on the Dallas side, it's looking more and more like the set. I know you can throw this game away for the most part, but neither Dwight Powell nor Maxi Kleba is seeing enough minutes to be fantasy relevant right now because Dorian Finney-Smith is eating up most of the power forward minutes, so those guys just aren't playing together for more than a couple of minutes of ball game, and that really means that you know you split a center bucket. Those are each Powell and Kleba. Those guys are are both of the the cloth where they gotta be out there for 26, 27, 30 minutes. And they're not right now. Not close. I'm okay with drops. I'm okay with drops on that side. I'm not picking up Dorian Finney-Smith. We've seen his shtick before. He plays good hustle stuff. But at the end of the day, there are things that just anchor weight his value down. And uh, they're not going to come through. On the Clippers side, everybody was yelling about picking up Nick Batum. And he is sort of a streaming option with Marcus Morris out. I just, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. Serge and Zubots were the only guys who had okay games for the Clippers yesterday, and even for them it wasn't. Like, Serge was the kind of squeezed through, mostly unscathed in a game where his team put up 73. Yikes. They'll be better. Clippers will be better the next time around. They'll bounce back. Kawhi Leonard, of course, being injured in the previous game, 
uh, whacked in the mouth, had eight stitches. I don't know what the timeline is there. They haven't given us much of an indicator, but I don't think it'll be all that long because we haven't heard anything about concussion protocol, and that's good. For Brooklyn, there was one piece of news this morning. Spencer Dinwiddie partially tore his ACL, so he's likely out for the year. He probably wasn't on your fantasy team anyway as the fourth fiddle on that club, but he's out now. And he was soaking up a lot of the starting shooting guard minutes for that team, so you're probably going to see more Karis LeVert in with the starters. Uh, Maybe an extra shot or two goes to someone like a Joe Harris or a Landry Shamit, but I don't think that this dramatically changes the fantasy value of, of really anybody on that team. Another note, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen seem to be in a pretty good old-fashioned timeshare, and so as we talked about on the Friday show, if that's really the way this is going to be, Jared Allen's the guy to own there. My hope was that they were going to let DeAndre Jordan, I don't want to say the hope, because Jared Allen is the better basketball player on that team, but my thought was that Kyrie and KD were going to sort of pressure the team to let DeAndre play big minutes when in fact all they really did was they wanted him starting they wanted him starting so he's starter in name only right now Jordan has not been putting up big minutes and while he does rebound a ton in the minutes he's on the floor it's not enough he's a drop DeAndre is a drop I don't think that's changing uh, Jared Allen is very much a hold he's doing enough and I think that's probably going to trend up as the season goes on. He's just better. Meanwhile, Brooklyn lost this game. Another uh, true letdown spot. Brooklyn had two big ones to open their season, and then this was the clunker, and Charlotte stole it. And they needed it, too, because Charlotte had just lost to Oklahoma City. Gordon Hayward was brilliant, 28-6-7 with a steal, two threes. Great percentages. This is what you were hoping for when you drafted him, which is basically a guy that's going to get stuff on good percentages and so far this year he's been terrific he's number 17 on a per game basis 23 5 and 7 he actually has some steals in there as well shooting 55 percent from the field 86 the free throw line some of that stuff will come down but I mean Gordon Hayward was uh, a pretty obvious fantasy play this year and um, my only beef is that he didn't fall as far as I needed him to he kept getting scooped up before I expected Another lesson to Dan. Please stop playing in leagues with people that listen to the podcast. I got I to gotta get into some Yahoo Pro leagues, I think. I think that's my only recourse at this point. Someone tell me more about them. I haven't done them before. Devontae Graham, um, and I guess it's good to see that he's still racking up the minutes. They haven't turned any of the keys over to LaMelo Ball yet. When they do, it'll probably hurt Devontae somehow. But at least right now, the Hornets want to compete this year. They really do. And so when you look at it from that perspective, they're going to want the ball in Gordon Hayward's hands and Terry Rozier and the guys that they just sort of trust with the decision-making process a little bit more, at least for now. Miles Bridges has been a little better the last couple of ballgames coming off the bench. P.J. Washington has also been a little better since Cody Zeller went down, but he has big holes in his fantasy game, so don't get overexcited there. And then Bismack Biombo, apparently the plan is actually to play him 30 damn minutes at center a night. I can't believe that this is really where we're headed with this, but Bismack has been picked up in almost every single one of my leagues, despite being only 12% rostered overall on Yahoo. But he's played 30 minutes two games in a row. He'll get you boards, he'll get you blocks, he's going to tank your free throw percent, but he's going to be fine here for presumably, you know, a month while Zeller's out. It's a tough move to make, though. Woof. 
Spurs finally slowed down on defense and uh, or on offense, excuse me. Their defense was actually fine in this ball game. Pelicans shot 38% and won because they only turned the ball over eight times and got to the free throw line 29 to the Spurs eight. LaMarcus Aldridge was terrible. Four points, four boards, two blocks in this ballgame. I had this weird epiphany, and I said it on uh, that Monday podcast right before the season started, so I guess that would be a week ago today, that I was in this moment where I was like, LaMarcus, 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 and then it got to my turn, and I went, nah, I'll go Miles Turner instead. And it was this very strange anti-Dan Bespris move where I veered away from the old guy because in my mind I thought, you know what, LaMarcus probably gets moved this year. The Spurs seemed like they wanted to go young, and in that moment, I was like, this team wants to be younger. LaMarcus has been trending down in rebounding. I didn't think his block rate could keep up. He looks disinterested in banging with people anymore, and so this game in particular was an awful matchup for an older big man who doesn't want to bang anymore against Zion and Steven Adams. So you could have seen this coming 15 miles away. He's a buy low, though. That's the thing. Like, as bad as LaMarcus was in this ballgame... And as slow as he's started this year, he doesn't just vanish overnight. He's not going to shoot 42% for the season. He's not going to shoot no free throws and make 67% of them. This is the bottom point. He'll figure it out. Maybe not in these next two ball games. Spurs have a Lakers-Lakers back-to-back. Ah, there's a day off in between those two games. They host the Lakers twice in a row. And in fact... They've got a matchup with big man pretty much everywhere. Lakers, Lakers, Jazz, Clippers, Lakers. Clippers the only game in there where they're not really going up against a traditional big. So I don't know. This next little stretch for LaMarcus might be a tough one, but he'll get it going at some point. It's not going to be this bad. And he's probably going to be... He'll probably underperform the expectations, but he's getting drafted in the 60s, and I, I still firmly believe he'll get back to that mark. So maybe you can see if you can get him for something cheap. Meanwhile, Keldon Johnson looks great. Lonnie Walker filling in for Derek White. He's been solid. Rudy Gay had a really nice ball game here, uh, but he's not going to play enough night tonight to really be trusted. DeJounte Murray's just going to be great all season long. He had six turnovers in this one, but you know, you'll have those growing pains games every once in a while. He's just he's going to be terrific. Meanwhile, on the Pelican side, despite scoring only 98 points, they had a number of really nice fantasy games. Lonzo Ball starting to wake up. Brandon Ingram's been very good so far this year. Josh Hart double-doubled in 33 minutes off the bench. Yeah, he's now won the bench minutes battle with J.J. Redick two out of three games. And I would say Josh Hart is worth rostering in, in most fantasy leagues at this point. I, and I don't know that he keeps it up, and he probably levels off somewhere near the edge of the top 100 on a per-game basis. But I, you got to love a shooting guard that rebounds in addition to steals and threes, and does it on a decent percentage. You just do. He's probably owned in every one of your leagues. He's 17% rostered, and he's 100% rostered in leagues that I play in. Again, I gotta, I gotta get into some pro leagues, man. You guys are good at this stuff. You guys are good podcasting to people that are very good at fantasy basketball. Anyway, I was talking to uh, Aaron Bruski about this before we continue our analysis, about how like there, there are three or four, maybe five tiers of fantasy players. There's... There are the folks like Brew who need to be the absolute best. Number one. Strive to be number one. Personally, I strive to be in the 99th percentile. I don't care about getting over the last, like, 25 fantasy players in the world. I just don't. I think we can beat almost everybody with the way we play. And when I say almost, I mean, really, 99 to 99.9% in that range. 
People listening to this podcast are also probably striving to be in that neck of the woods. You guys are like 98th to 99th percentile. Then there's a big chunk of folks that read the websites and stuff, and they're like in that 50th to 95th percentile. And then there's the folks that are just dicking around. Anyway. So when I look at my leagues, and these guys that are 17% rostered overall are 100% rostered, that's how I know. That's how I know. Zion had six defensive stats in this ballgame. We'll see if that's fluky or not, but then, of course, he's just been pooing all over people's field free throw percent so far. It's going to be a weird year for Zion. He's averaging 22-12 and 12 with two and a half steals a game on 49% shooting from the field, and somehow he's outside the top 130. Here's how. He's shooting 58% high-volume free throws, three and a half turnovers per game, and no three-pointers. It's a weird, it's a weird fantasy set stat set. Very odd. Eric Bledsoe, um, he was getting overdrafted this year. I said it before. I thought this was a guy that's going to get drafted way later, and then somehow he started creeping up into those sixties and seventies. And I thought, well, that's that's just too early. He was a disappointment for me, as we mentioned on draft day. I thought he would fall farther and was going to be a target for us, and then he just didn't. Orlando beat Washington, a 17-point fourth-quarter comeback. That's a crushing loss for the Wizards, who should have had this ballgame. Uh, Denny Avdia had a better one, 9-9 nine and nine with a couple of steals. No Russell Westbrook in this ballgame, and of course, no Rui Hachimura for a couple of weeks. The Wizards, like, if you really think that you have any idea what this team's going to look like when they're fully healthy, you don't. Bradley Beal's going to be great. Westbrook is going to put up big numbers. Thomas Bryant is going to struggle to get eight or nine rebounds when Westbrook is on the floor, but he looked much better in this ballgame. And then outside of those dudes, I don't think I would touch anyone. Well, Davis Bertans is on a minute restriction still. We don't, I don't know how long that's going to last, but it's a real pain in the neck. He will eventually ramp into fantasy value, but I think that's going to be it. Like Troy Brown had a better ball game here, but he still only played 24 minutes. Of the, uh, the Rook, he actually pretty good in this ballgame, but you know, he's not going to play 36 minutes every night as Bertans ramps up. So, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, our, our Terrence Ross late-round suggestion is looking very smart so far. I will warn you guys of this, though. First of all, uh, he's averaging two rebounds and less than one assist in 29 minutes a game. That'll actually probably improve ever so slightly. But the 51% shooting will not. I mentioned Terrence Ross as a potential free throw percent boost guy, and I don't think anybody took me seriously. He has worked very hard to get fouled on three-pointers the last two years or so, and I don't think anybody's really noticed this, but his free throws ramped up from about one to one and a half per game, and then this most recent season, even the previous postseason, although it was brief, went from one and a half a game up to almost three. He's at five this year. That'll come back down. He had a, he had, what did he have, like eight yesterday? So, you know, magic of small sample size. But this is a guy who's taking close to three free throws a game and shooting 85 to 86% on them. He is now a positive in a new category that he wasn't before. Part of actually what's making him a more interesting fantasy play this year. Also, what's making a more interesting fantasy play is that Jonathan Isaac is out all year. DJ Augustine is gone, and they have no other bench scoring and so he's going to be asked to take more shots. Towards the end of last year, I mentioned T. Ross was taking more like 14 shots a game when the Magic started playing faster. He's at 14.3 so far this year. 
So yes, he will come down from this. Make no mistake, he's not going to be a top 40 fantasy guy all season long. But I do think he's actually better than top 100 this year. This is the year. Said it once, I'll say it a million times. Big Orlando Magic fantasy guy over here. Uh, Aaron Gordon had a weird one. He just was, he was playing drunk yesterday. I don't know what the hell happened there. Just throw that one out. Uh, Markel Fultz looked really good. Vooch was solid, if unspectacular, and they just sort of did enough. The bench actually got him back in it in the fourth quarter. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, this is a team where you you play the starters for the most part. Not Dwayne Bacon, and then yes to T. Ross off the bench. Philly rested Joel Embiid and got punished for it. Cleveland beat him by 24. Cavs off a double overtime win and just kept rolling. However, Kevin Love exited with a calf injury after nine minutes, and it's going to be one of those years, I think. Although... Here's the thing. The Cavs are off to a really good start. So if you have Kevin Love, that's great news. Yeah, they're going to lose some ballgames. Make no mistake. The fact that they played the Hornets, the Pistons, and then an Embiidless 76ers, and they have the Knicks coming up next, that's really good for morale. But then they have the Pacers, the Hawks, the Magic twice, the Grizzlies twice, the Bucks, the Jazz. So, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be undefeated coming up here relatively soon still um on the philly side they just they didn't take this game seriously this is this is a whatever moment for the 76ers tobias harris finally got going ben simmons was fine that was it i don't think i actually do like seth curry this year it seems like he's going to get enough minutes there danny green no shake milton no that was one of those things where after game one, we were like, yeah, you pick him up, just see what happens in game two. And then we got our answer that he's that's not going to be enough minutes. He and Danny Green are fighting right now. On the Cavs side, Andre Drummond. Probably should have known he was going to play like a man possessed this year. Larry Nance was wonderful in this ballgame. Uh, Colin Sexton had 22 on good percentages. Again, Darius Garland slowed down a little bit in this ballgame, was still actually decent. 14.7 assists, couple of steals, and uh, didn't tank you anywhere. Cavs have some very interesting and locked-in fantasy pieces. I don't know what the hell happened in this next ball game. Bucks just were completely out to lunch, and the Knicks beat them in a blowout, 130-110. to Julius Randle, huge. Alfred Payton went huge. That's a guy I want to talk about here for a minute. Mitchell Robinson played better. Nerlens Noel was bad. R.J. Barrett was uh, decent. Alec Burks was solid again, although he only had to play 21 minutes. Uh, Milwaukee side, you know, this is a weird one. Giannis had a, a decent ball game, but again, took a dump on free throw percent. Chris Middleton, he's been really good so far this year. Brooke Lopez is going to be fine, by the way. Don't don't abandon ship on that. He's just taking a minute to get going. Drew Holiday, I was down on Drew this year. Where the hell is he at for the season so far? I think he's fine. Drew, 69 after three ball games. It's just, I mean, his minutes, you knew his minutes were going to be down. It was not going to be a good year for for Drew. Um, I don't care about the Bucks in this ballgame. I want to talk about the Knicks. First of all, Nerlens Noel only played 13 minutes, and that's, that is concerning, but you got to hold on there because they brought him in to back up Mitchell Robinson, who played 35 minutes in this ballgame. You know, that's a great sign for Mitch Rob and a terrible sign for Nerlens Noel, but you just got to give him a little bit more time. You have to. If we end up punting, we punt. But Nerlens is so good in limited minutes that we just... You don't need that many more than what he's at right now to hit a fantasy point. 
RJ Barrett does look like he's gotten a little bit better. I got to give credit where credit's due. He's still not really on the fantasy radar for me outside of points leagues. He'll be he'll be solid there. Alfred Payton is the guy to watch. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. Emmanuel quickly were both out for this ball game, so there really wasn't anyone else to play point guard for the Knicks behind Payton. Uh, aside from old Frankie Smokes, Frank Nilakina. Uh, but Peyton finally got going. He went 12 for 16 from the field, missed both of his free throws as per usual. 27 points, 7 assists, even at three three-pointers in an odd twist. And you just wonder, is this the game that woke him up a little bit? And you guys know that I am not an Alfred Payton fantasy fan. I am not an Alfred Payton fantasy guy. He has these gaping holes in his fantasy game that just they, they haven't been plugged for years, and as great as he looks sometimes in other categories, like, you know, in New Orleans, remember he had that run of triple-doubles in a row? And then last year in New York, once he took over the starting job, he was averaging like 10 and 8, and one and a half steals. But he's a horrible free-throw shooter, his field goal percent's awful, and he never hits three-pointers until yesterday, apparently. So there's these there are these issues with him, but they, they kind of get painted over if he's going to play 28, 29 minutes a game. If he gets up to that 29-minute threshold, he's a fantasy player because the steals and the assists get so high and the rebounding from a point guard gets high enough that it just wipes over the bad stuff. And he's never going to have a high ceiling because the bad categories will weigh him down consistently. But the 29 minutes he got in this game is reason to grab him and just see what's up. You have to. You have to. Much as I hate his fantasy game, you have to try. Boston lost in Indiana. Miles Turner has been brilliant so far this year. I have to admit, I did not see that coming. Even in the league where I kind of accidentally drafted him, we were talking about the, you know, I was looking at LaMarcus Aldridge and I went, screw it, Miles Turner. I felt kind of gross about that pick after the, the draft, even though I was like, well, you know what, at least I'm locking up blocks. Dude's got 17 blocks in three ball games. He's averaging under 10 points, and he's the number eight fantasy player while shooting 41%, and he doesn't even have any three-pointers. He has one of them. So there's a whole lot of regression coming for Miles Turner, both good and bad. The shooting percentage will come up. The three-pointers will come up. The blocks will come way down. He's not going to average six. Although, you know, maybe this is the year he gets back and gets closer to three per game. Miles Turner so far looks like a potential win, which basically means sell high. See if you can go get somebody drafted in like the 25 to 35 range for him. Perfect time. It's going to hurt to do it because you're like, I got to trade this guy. He's averaging six blocks a game. Yeah. I mean, that's how sell highs work. It should hurt when you make the trade if you're selling a guy that looks like they're playing their butt off. Pacers are a pretty easy team to handicap these days. Uh, they don't go all that deep. They only played eight players in this whole ball game, And uh, even Doug, Dougie but- McBuckets actually had a decent one. Demonis Sabonis needs to start making some free throws. He's killing everybody with that stuff. Giant other numbers, and his free throw percent is just sinking him. Demonis Sabonis is outside the top 100 despite averaging 24, 11, and 7. Four turnovers and 58% at the free throw line will do that to you. Fix it, buddy. Fix it. On the Boston side, the big man battle continues. The Time Lord, actually, was the best of the three in this ballgame. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
uh, and Marcus Smart remain the only Celtics you can trust on a night-to-night basis right now. Golden State got themselves a game winner over the Bulls of all teams. Kelly Oubre still can't shoot, but he did have 11 rebounds and 4 steals. I maintain he is the hardest buy low I can possibly recommend. Do whatever you can to go get Oubre. And that's the other side of our discussion from just a second ago. If you're buying low, it should also feel gross. You know? You should you should feel like something wrong is happening when you make those types of moves. Go get a Kelly Oubre. Go see if you can get him for an extraordinarily hot like ninth rounder or something like that. Warriors need Draymond Green back, and they need him quick. Uh, James Wiseman finally had a normal rookie type of thing and it'll happen i mean he's gonna have a good year but it's gonna it'll have little bumps and bruises along the way steph's gonna be a monster this year he's he's just he just is and and like it's it can get better from here zach levine had a big one lowry markinen had a pretty big one uh he turned his ankle i believe or was it a calf late in this ball game kobe white had a decent one. Finally, no defensive stats, though. There's there's always going to be those little things with him. Patrick Williams played 26 minutes. Otto Porter's 21. That'll be a concern. And I wonder if Porter's minutes do actually slowly ramp up over the course of the year. Dude really hasn't played much basketball lately. But look what he did in 20 minutes. 12-6-3 with three threes. I can't part with that. I mean, if his minutes trend up to 25, 26, 27, he's an easy big fantasy asset so i'm squatting on Otto porter because he's not horrible even while he's not playing that much and i have to believe the bulls want to win some ball games and they want to get their veteran in there it's not it's not turn the keys over to the young fella yet it can't be we'll see wendell carter jr is the story of this ball game though he woke up 22 and 13 to start leveling off his poor start. He'll be fine. As we mentioned before, he's really more of like a 12-8 and kind of center, generally not relied upon to go huge on offense. The Warriors lacking in interior strength. And so uh, Wendell Carter just had a big one. And, you know, he'll go back to being not as big in the next one, but it'll level off to be a late-round center. He'll be fine. He shouldn't have been dropped. If he was, pick him up. Phoenix beat Sacramento. We sort of saw this one coming as the second half of a uh, rematch situation. McCall Bridges has just been insanely good so far. This was what we were dreaming of when we were like, hey, maybe he's going to be more aggressive this year. He's taking 11 shots a game. Huge boost. And he hasn't even gotten his steals going yet. So congratulations. I think you can probably roll out the uh, mission accomplished banner on McCall Bridges. He looks amazing. DeAndre Ayton... Every game gets a little bit closer to game shape. You had 15 boards in this one. Still no, the defensive stats have not really been there yet. The scoring hasn't really been there yet, but it's coming. And for Devin Booker, he's just trying to figure out his new teammates. Jay Crowder, Chris Paul in particular, who takes a lot off of Booker's plate. CP3, 8 points, 14, or excuse me, 12 assists. The, the Suns are going to be very good this year. Uh, Fantasy-wise, they'll be better than they are so far. CP3 is number 70. Booker has been uh, pretty wretched to this point. Six turnovers a game. He's not shooting free throws all that well. It's going to be fine. Aiton's gotten off to a slow start. They're just they're feeling it out. Jay Crowder still played 26 minutes, but it's going to be a little bit up and down. He probably ends up 
just inside the top 100, if I had to guess. Although, if Cam Johnson plays this well every night, then, you know, maybe not. On the Kings side, uh, Rashawn Holmes inching towards solid fantasy value at 8 and 11 with three defensive stats in this ballgame. Uh, he's number 92 so far, which is exactly on his ADP. Kind of amazing there. I, he's still a buy, I believe. He's a buy. Uh, Buddy Heald, slow ball game. Darren Fox, terrible ball game. I don't know what the hell happened in this one. Marvin Bagley, 11 and 8. His minutes have been trending up a little bit, so that's a good sign. Kings just got just got beat up. I don't think I would draw too many conclusions from this particular ball game. And then in talking about getting beat up, the Lakers thwomped the Timberwolves, who are without Carl Anthony Towns for a little while. Apparently, there was a slight dislocation uh, of something in his hand. I think that goes into our thumb stuff category from last year, which means Nas Reed is a terrific long stream option, uh, and it's just going to be shots beyond shots beyond shots for guys like D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley. Ricky Rubio I'm seeing getting dropped in leagues. I would pick him up if he's getting dumped because this was a massive blowout, and so the minutes were all over the map, and I think Rubio actually just gets a little better every week with this team. Meanwhile... Lakers were without Anthony Davis, who rested on the front end of a back-to-back. We'll see if LeBron rests on the back end of it, and maybe they can go try to get a couple of wins with half of their superstars. Marcus Gasol was wonderful in 20 minutes. He had his sort of coming-out party, but this will probably be his best game of the year. Kuz was great, too. I don't know what the hell that... Three blocks? Where did that come from? Taylor Horton Tucker was solid. They just didn't need much from guys. When you beat a team that hard, again, throw it out. Before we turn the page back to Saturday, I want to give a shout-out to our buddies over at Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. Promo code over there is HoopBall20. Get your holiday gear if you're running. Maybe you still need a present for somebody. You forgot to get them a Christmas gift. That's a perfect place to go. HoopBall20 gets you 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. They have the Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker. That's an ear and nose hair trimmer. Luxury nail kit called The Shears. Replacement blades for all of these items. They've got deodorant, body wash, toner, foot deodorant, cologne. That's brand new. Brand new cologne. The Crop Mop. It's a gross name for it, but it's wipes for your body. They got boxers, t-shirts, travel bags, shaving mats. Check it out, guys. Seriously. Manscaped.com. It's, it's just... I've talked about this before. They're like it's like in and out. You make one thing and you make it and you do it right. Manscaped does one thing and they do it right. Check them out. Hoopball20 again the promo code over there. 20% off and free shipping on your goodies at manscaped.com. Let's check out Saturday, which I think is all of the teams once we're done with the uh, with both Saturday and Sunday. Atlanta Memphis this game was tied with 4 minutes to go and then the Hawks just blitzed them. Memphis couldn't get anything going late. Slow-mo Looks like a terrific long stream option here while Jaron Jackson Jr. is out. Although, I will note, his numbers will come down as Brandon Clark shakes off the I didn't participate in training camp rust, because that's what's happening. Clark going two for eight on shots within about five feet. He'll be fine. He is also a big time buy low, and it's going to kill you to pull the trigger on that. Because he really does look horrendous to this point. But you have a chance to get a guy with top 60 upside for probably a hot free agent type. He's going to start getting dropped in leagues. 
But a lot of people overspent on Brandon Clark. So those guys are going to be the tougher ones. to. It just takes a little more to get them over the hump. Meanwhile, Valanchunas looks a little drunk. John Morant looks very good so far, actually. I, you know, I, We'll see how things develop as the year goes on. He has a lot of energy right now. Uh, I do think that the 58% from the field comes down. 81% at the free throw line. Maybe that sticks. You know, he was at 78% last year, so that's a reasonable bump. The big-time leap in three-pointers and blocks and very low turnovers so far. That That's stuff that's all going to level off. So if you can go get a second or third rounder for Ja, this would be a great time to do it. Same with slow-mo. If you can trade him for something, do it, because these things are all finite. Memphis was one of my big under leans. Uh, I just I hated the way they played in the bubble. I feel like they've lost their edge and so far, that appears to be true. Atlanta got a big game out of DeAndre Hunter with no Gallo and no Clint Capella. That won't last. Trey Young was uh, terrific, mostly from the free throw line. This is a very strangely officiated ball game. There were so many free throws. What do they have, 67 between the two teams? Good gravy. Kevin Herter got real hot. That won't last. John Collins was, uh, he was fine. It was like the quietest, very good fantasy game I can think of. 13-10 and 10 with a steal, two blocks, perfect free throw shooting. Uh, he was just quietly good in this ballgame. He'll be fine this year. He won't be as good as everybody wanted, and then when they signed everybody, his, his ADP plummeted. But he'll, he'll end up with a pretty solid season. He's number 44 so far, and I think everybody would tell you he's been awful. And he's 44. So, yeah, chill. He's probably a buy low also, if I had to, if I had to guess. Go go get John Collins for a... Uh, who are we just talking about? Miles Turner? Mm, I don't know. I guess it depends on what you, what stats you need. If you can go get John Collins for Miles Turner, I think I'd probably do it. Probably. Let me think on that one. Thunder beat the Hornets. We already talked Hornets. Let's talk Thunder for a second, because that was a game I wanted everybody to watch as part of our homework assignment, and we did learn some things. First, Darius Baisley... Uh, he's not a big guy, but he's logging power forward minutes for that team, and he's a good rebounder. He deserves to be on every roster, and he probably is already. Generally, he got drafted. Shea, he's going to figure out his, his role with this team. It's going to take a little bit. It's why I tweeted two weeks ago, I think we've obliterated his fantasy value by pushing him into the second round. Al Horford, he'll be a little bit better than this on most games as well. The things that, that caught my eye were, uh, number one, like, first, Horford and Shea, they'll be fine. Number two, Baisley looks good. I think his his percentages will end up hurting you a little bit. They didn't in this ballgame, and, and certainly him playing closer to the bucket is is helpful. Lugans Dort actually looked pretty pretty spry in this ballgame. He looked quick, his shot was fine, and he played big minutes. I'm not convinced his fantasy game is here to stay. Steals, blocks, you know, are we going to see a lot of those? Like, he's very good one-on-one defensively, but is he a guy that's going to jump passing lanes a ton? We have a lot to learn on Dort. He's worth a stash while we wait and kind of see what the next couple of ball games bring. He's probably owned in your leagues after playing 35 minutes in this one. I have him in a couple of spots. But I'm also... I'm a little bit pessimistic because this, to me, almost felt like a best-case scenario, and it was good, but not great. 
Also of note, George Hill, starting point guard for this team, went 8 of 9 from the field for 21 points, 4 boards, 3 assists, a steal, and 4 three-pointers. It's obviously not going to be that good every ball game. But we need to remember that George Hill is actually kind of a 9-category roto monster. He is one of the best 9-cat roto guards in the NBA. Last year in Milwaukee... He played 21 minutes a game during the regular season, averaged nine and a half points, three boards, three assists, just under a steal, 1.43 pointers, but he did it on 52% from the field, 46% from downtown, 84% at the free throw line. He was, and I mean, he wasn't that close to 90% free throws, but he was pretty damn close to a 50-40-90 kind of year, while not, frankly, playing that many minutes. We can't turn the clock back as far as we'd like to without admitting that George Hill is also an older goat now. But if you remember, think back to Utah when he had that injury plagued. That was about four-ish years ago, I think. He averaged 17-3-4 with a steal on 48 from the field, 40 from three, and 80 at the free throw line. He's always been hyper-efficient. That year, by the way, he played 31 minutes of ballgame. So he ain't, he's not getting anywhere close to that number. But this is a team that is going to need somebody willing to take a couple of shots because Shea can't take them all. Baisley and Dort are just not that good offensively yet. And so George Hill is going to need to stabilize this team from the guard spot. He's not going to make eight out of nine shots, obviously. He's not going to make all four of his free, three-pointers every game. Obviously, that stuff is re- going to regress. But last year, and this, I think this is a good comparison. You want to compare him to something, compare it to himself from one year ago. Last year, George Hill was right on the cusp of being a 12-team asset in 21 minutes a game on a team with a truckload of high-usage guys in front of him. A truckload. He finished at something like 135, I think. I feel like he was bad in the bubble, too. Was he bad in the bubble? Am I remembering that correctly? Was George Hill one of the guys that was just like totally out to lunch in the bubble? Nah, maybe not. Doesn't matter. Either way, you throw another four minutes on top of last year and put him on a team that actually needs him to do a couple of things offensively, he's a top 100 guy. It's very easy to move from 135 to 100. There's like very little separating those guys. And if he's going to go from six and a half shots to eight and a half, give him two extra shots a ball game, that efficiency becomes a weapon. So I like George Hill. I actually think he could have a decent season. I don't know what the plan is. I'm sure they'll try to move him, so keep that in your back pocket. And maybe this is like a two and a half to three month rental, but that's a long time. So if he's floating around out there, um, you know, it's not that there's a, a, a. a whole host of upside with Hill, because he's not about to play 35 minutes a game. They want the young guys in there, but he is their stabilizer. Especially in in roto formats, especially where you're trying to actually win all nine categories on a given night. He's useful. He's useful. He's not an upside guy. Cleveland beat Detroit in this ballgame. We already talked Cavs. Let's talk Pistons. Jeremy Grant, who had uh, one bad game and everybody was like, no, Jeremy Grant, overhyped, dead meat. And then he came roaring back with 28-10-3 blocks in game two. He's going to be fine, man. He took this gig in Detroit. He left 
a championship contender to go to the one of the worst teams in the NBA because he just wants to show his wares. He doesn't mind putting up big numbers on a losing team. That's what he wanted. Uh, Blake Griffin is resting in Detroit's next ballgame. So is Derrick Rose, as I recall. Although D. Rose is a drop anyway. Played 33 minutes in a double overtime game, so he was at 23 going into that. His fantasy game just isn't round enough at this point of his career. He needs to be, like we talked about at the beginning of last year, that was a useful time. He was playing 27, 28 minutes a game. He was able to get a lot of their shots, which sadly he still was in this ballgame. But they have other guys now that have sort of supplanted him in the go-do-stuff category. A healthy Blake Griffin being one of them. Jeremy Grant being another. Uh, Killian Hayes, they're going to eventually get him more of a role. Mason Plumley is now soaking up a ton of minutes. DeLon Wright played 42 minutes in this double overtime game. Who, by the way, DeLon Wright is an absolute race-to-the-wire, must-add kind of guy. And hopefully you guys were able to do that. Because this game was on Saturday, so... Uh, pretty big layoff between that and this podcast. If DeLon Wright's playing starters minutes, he could be one of the better fantasy players in the NBA. So don't squat on that one. He's he's terrific. He must be on your team this second. Same with Mason Plumlee, by the way, who, you know, I can't speak as glowingly about his fantasy game because dude can't shoot free throws, but he's number 41 through their first two games, averaging 10, 8.5, 5.5 assists, 1.5 steals. He hadn't even blocked a shot yet. I said this on a podcast last week. Mason Plumley, three years, four years ago, time flies when you're having fun. Four years ago in Portland, he averaged 11, 8, and 4 with a steal, 1.2 blocks, 53% from the field. He was a top 80 fantasy center. I hope you picked him up in as many places as you could. Where did I get him? I got him in one or two spots, I think. Not as many as I wanted. He who hesitates, I guess. Uh, we already talked to Orlando, Washington. We talked Philly and uh, New York already. Indy and Chicago have already been covered. Toronto. We haven't talked Toronto. Chris Boucher went huge in this game against San Antonio. And that's the way it's going to be. Uh, teams are going to run smaller big men at the Spurs if they need to. Spurs want to play fast. Boucher got going. Aaron Baines, you knew he was going to suffer in this one because he's the big lumbering ox. And it's going to be a little bit of a matchup thing on a night-to-night basis. But Boucher, he's 100% rostered in, in your leagues out there. If he's not, he he would be after this ballgame. Huge one. He is also a little bit of a sell high because 22, 10, and 7 blocks is likely to be one of his better games of the year. We knew Freddie Van Fleet would play better, uh, play better in Game 2. He did. Siakam didn't shoot the ball well. Lowry was Lowry. Ananobi was Ananobi, and Norm Powell has been horrible so far. I mean, he couldn't throw a stone in the ocean. He's probably going to start getting dumped in fantasy leagues, and if he does, put your damn waiver claim in on him because he's going to be better than this. This was unusual. He's off to a very cold start. We know what he can do, and he will. Talked to Minnesota already. I think the, the Carl Anthony Towns things is like a two- to three-week timetable right now though we'll we'll wait and see on that one uh for utah pretty easy team to handicap right now royce o'neill had a nice rebounding game but uh, night to night he's he's not gonna be doing enough there ingles same story just not enough night to night gobert donovan mitchell mike conley who's been pretty decent so far and boyan bogdanovich who missed a ton of shots those are the guys that you can put in there and and feel comfortable with 
Houston and Portland was the late one. I'm jumping over uh, Phoenix, Sacramento, because we covered them already. Houston was without John Wall and Boogie. I put a pretty big bet, actually, on the Rockets plus eight in this ballgame. Figured that was going to be an easy one because you knew Harden was going to come mad, and he was. 44-17. My goodness. Christian Wood, 31-13. and He's going to have a big year, even once this team is healthy. P.J. Tucker had 7-11. and Um... Played a ton of minutes. This is an overtime game. He always does. There's just, you know, as you add Boogie and Wall back in, I can't imagine anyone beyond those four has enough of anything to be fantasy relevant. And for Portland, Nurk is just, like, he doesn't, the adrenaline carried him through the bubble, and now he's having trouble getting the engines going. But he'll be fine. Rob Covington showing signs in this ballgame. I liked the eight rebounds. I liked the three defensive stats. It's just going to get better from here. CJ and Dame were good in this ballgame, so you know you weren't really worried about those guys anyway. And uh, that's the end of your Saturday card. And I'm fairly certain that everybody that played Saturday and Sunday, uh, I don't think anyone didn't play. I believe that's all 30 teams. Right? Didn't miss anybody. We don't have to go back to Christmas. No. And that's how the reverse chronological lightning round works, ladies and gentlemen. We go back through the weekend. We cover each team's most recent game. We get you reset for the week ahead. It's a fairly straightforward process. Please do check out the Fantasy Pass, the Wager Pass, the DFS Pass, and HoopBall360 over at hoop-ball.com. One of the big selling points right now is the HoopBall Discord, which is incredible. You got, uh, for the DFS lovers... You have a DFS Discord where the pros are hanging out leading up to lineup lock to help you make those last-second adjustments and help tweak your lineups. For the fantasy lovers, we have like eight fantasy threads going. General fantasy thoughts, sit, start, add, drop, trade advice, dynasty, rate my team, streaming, tweet storms from yours truly and Adam King. That's in Discord these days. We have wagering threads on every major sport. For Wager Pass and HoopBall360, guys. And we have a thread for all 30 NBA teams. If you just want to talk about a particular team, the Discord, the HoopBall Discord, is the place to be. Any monthly pass you get gets you some kind of Discord access. You know, DFS Pass gets you DFS. Fantasy Pass gets you both of those, Fantasy and DFS. Wager Pass gets you the wagering. HoopBall360 gets you all of the above. This is... We we focused really hard. We had this long off-season to plan and one of the things we really wanted to do at HoopBall was to focus on making our in-season product more compelling. And I believe pretty strongly that this Discord is a, a massive step in the right direction on that one. If you have any questions on it, feel free to hit me up again at Dan Bespris on Twitter. But we'd love to see you on a HoopBall membership this year, hoop-ball.com. Click on the uh, premium tab and go buy one of the above. Then we'll See you in our private Discord. I am, again, Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. We'll continue the discussion on Twitter, as per usual. Have a lovely Monday, everybody. We'll get back at you tomorrow morning. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.